Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This episode of the Bearstalk Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in Sports Drink. Spelled like Sports Drink, but without the vowels, so... S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let out the funk. <laughs> What's up, guys? Week one, all but in the books uh, in the NFL. and uh, But this is not the NFL show. This is our week one review episode of the Bearstock Underground. With, uh, and it's a happy one. And I'm happy that I was wrong. I just thought the 49ers were the better team that, uh, you know, we still got some catching up to do before we can go nose to nose with those guys, uh, you know, at that, I guess on paper. But then, uh, you know, like Chris Berman said, for all those years on uh, on primetime on ESPN, that's why they play the games. And, um, you know, you can make all the excuses that you want as far as the weather conditions were concerned. Uh, the 49ers lost Elijah Mitchell, their running back, early on in the first half uh, and whatnot. But in the end, it's the scoreboard that matters. And uh, the Bears were actually the more disciplined uh, team. Uh, the fewer penalties, the whole nine yards. We'll talk about all of that. We got knee-jerk reactions. We got bear up and bear down. So let's go ahead and just dive right in. This is the week one review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the Welcome back, guys. The week we've won, week one review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. I am your host, Larry D. You can find me on social media at BTU underscore Larry on Instagram and on Twitter. You can also join the Facebook group. Just search Bears Talk Underground on Facebook to get in on the discussions. We've had a few people uh, jumping on the BTU bandwagon as far as joining the group uh, the last week. It's been nice uh, to see some new faces uh, and what. Uh, uh, on the board, but uh, you know it's a happy Sunday night. It's uh, just before midnight. I uh, got done watching the uh, the Sunday night game between the Bucks and the, the Cowboys, which is kind of a snooze fest of uh, you know not a lot going on for some teams that's supposed to have some explosive offensive weapons. Got an awful lot of defense in that game, and uh, not how you want to cap off uh, the night. You know what I'm saying? To have a uh, you know a back and forth defensive uh, snooze fest where. Uh, not a lot of points get scored. Not how you want to break off the night. So uh, had to watch a little bit of uh, House of the Dragon and, uh, you know, to kind of get a little palate cleanser before I come down here and talk Bears uh, and recap this uh, this win, this upset win that they pulled off. And you, you, you just thought it was it was possible. You know, I mean, it's obviously it's the NFL. It's always possible. It's week one. So it's definitely possible. Uh, you know, all the things that the Bears had going for them seemingly coming into this, minus the weather conditions, um, 
brand new uh, head coach, new offensive coordinator, b- bunch of brand new players, not a whole lot of tape uh, on them. And, and in the end, it didn't really seem like that's what won it for the Bears. What won it was their persistence, their resiliency, and the fact they never gave up. They kept fighting. They kept fighting. And while they weren't getting it done on offense, the defense was doing its damnedest to keep us in the football game. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, it, it was the, you know, hear me talk about it, knee-jerk reactions. It's the complete opposite. It's a role reversal from last year when the Bears and the 49ers came in. It's not like we were the better team on paper, but it's just we dominated the first half. We dominated into the second half. And but it's just like we weren't taking advantage of the opportunities that we were being given. We were were making some red zone trips. We weren't closing them out. We wouldn't put we put weren't putting them in the end zone. And at halftime, it's 13 to 9, 13 to 6, whatever it was. The Bears add another field goal, another failed red zone trip uh, in the third quarter. And then start of the fourth quarter, that big play to Debo Samuel that led to the led to a touchdown that tied it up was pretty much what what won the game for the 49ers. It turned the tides, and the next thing you know, it's the 49ers that are dictating their will, and the 49ers walk out with the win. That's essentially what happened here today. That is essentially what happened. The 49ers came in. They were dominating. They were posing their will. They were winning it in the trenches on both sides uh, of the football. They were gashing us in the run, uh, you know, and they were, uh, you know, preventing us from being able to run the football very well uh, at all in the first half. David Montgomery, 17 carries, 26 yards. And it's not like the preseason game where he was robbed of some yardage on some penalties. It's like, no, that's what it was like for David Montgomery trying to run the ball today. One and a half yards a carry uh, in the neighborhood, 17 yards, 26 carries. Yeah, I think he got more yardage on a pass that he got from Justin Fields where he broke a couple tackles and got a big gain. Then he did carrying the football 17 times uh, today. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, as we go along here. But, um, you know, l- let's dive into the into the knee-jerk reactions as, as we get into this thing. Uh, you know, like you said, you, you'll, hear a, you'll hear a theme, and it's just like somehow we're still in this. Somehow it's at the end of the first quarter at 0-0. Somehow at halftime it's only 7-0. And it's just, but if, if you're watching the game, we're losing this thing. We are losing this game if you're watching it. But we're losing it everywhere but on the scoreboard. And, you know, it's just it was one of those things. Like, if you just had a feeling the 49ers didn't deliver that killer blow, if they didn't do that thing that was going to make some kind of statement in this football game, they're letting the Bears hang around. This thing could go sideways on them. And sure enough, it did. And, uh, you know, we all know, spoiler alert, how this thing uh, all turned out. So let's go ahead and dive into these uh, uh, knee-jerk reactions. And... Uh, <laughs> Listen to me kind of, you know, with my crystal ball kind of say like, yeah, you know, this might do this. But at the same time, it's like, ah, we're just getting, we're just getting ragdolled out there. It wasn't a lot of fun. <laughs> Knee jerk reaction. First quarter at Bears and 49ers. It's um, been an interesting back and forth, somewhat of a defensive struggle so far. I mean, if we were keeping scorecards on this one, as far as like, uh, uh, watching the UFC event last night, the the Niners are ahead. Is they're they're playing, they're playing their game more than the Bears are playing theirs uh, right now. Kind of feel like I don't know if it's due to just outstanding coverage from the 49ers or if it's you know real action again for Fields, but it, it feels like he's hanging on to the football too long. Two twice on third down, Fields has been sacked. 
uh, when you know when the ball should have come out immediately. He also threw an interception on one of those uh, third down situations, like he was eyeballing a guy running down the middle of the field. Linebacker or safety actually just stepped in front of it, and picked it off. Uh, the other place the Bears are losing the game is field position. They just showed a graphic that says the Bears' average starting position so far has been their own 14-yard line, while the 49ers have been starting at their own 43. The good news is, despite all of that, it's tied at 0-0 right now. So it's not like the 49ers are blowing us off the field and then lighting up the scoreboard. It's been more of a bend-but-don't-break thing for this new defense. We've already forced a... Uh, a fumble, a peanut punch from Jalen Johnson, which is poetic because he's also number 33, recovered by Jaquan uh, Brisker on the opening drive for the 49ers because they had all the momentum in the world. They were going to score. Uh, thanks to Jalen Johnson, he pops it loose. Ja- Jaquan Brisker recovers it, kills that drive, and it's been the back and forth uh, ever since. So, you know, if if we were keeping a 10-9 score right now, it's 10 10 49ers, 9 Bears as far as who won the first uh, quarter. But luckily on the scoreboard, you have to actually score points. It's 0-0. We're all tied up. See how we do in the second quarter. See if uh, we can, uh, you know, relax or loosen up or whatever. And uh, maybe put some points on the board in the second quarter. So it was, you know, I I didn't really get enough emphasis to that turnover on the first drive because the 49ers are really on their way to making a statement as to how this football game was going to go. Trey Lance was, uh, I mean, cause the Bears started with the football. They were boom, three and out done capped off with a sack on, on third down, uh, for fields. And I did feel like he was holding onto the ball a little bit too long early on in, in the football game. Um, like he was doing too much reading and not enough reacting as far as what he was seeing uh, out there. But, um, you know, when the 49ers get the football, number one, like I said, that field position thing, that was a real thing throughout most of the first half. It, the Bears didn't really flip field position until the second half. It it, it was really a, a big factor, which, you know, kudos to the defense. They were playing on a short field for the majority, if not all, of the of the first half and only ended up giving up a, a, a touchdown. So, but it's like on that opening drive, Trey Lance is finding wide open receivers, Elijah Mitchell and, and Trey Lance running the football, pounding it uh, down our throats. And then they mixed in, you know, a run from from Debo Samuel. And I swear, if Jalen Johnson doesn't pop that ball out of his hands, he's probably going in uh, for a touchdown. And, uh, you know, it was one of those simple things. I don't know if it was just, the you know, the the elements and the weather and, and the, the rain being especially helpful because it didn't look like he put much pressure on the ball when he hit it, but boop, that thing comes right out. Jaquan Brisker is the first one to the ball, and that kills the drive. It kills the drive. So the statement that the 49ers were going to make about how this game was going to go and the kind of team the 49ers were going to be this year was halted by that mistake. And that ended up being the tail of the tape in this game because the Bears were the ones that were on the plus side as far as uh, you know, mistakes were concerned, because at the end of it, the 49ers had something close to 100 yards in penalties. They were in double digits, 11, 12 penalties or so. The Bears had three penalties in this game. In the end of it, the Bears had the one turnover for the interception that Justin Fields threw in the first quarter, and then we never turned the ball over again, and the 49ers had two. They had the one there 
uh, in the first quarter on the opening drive, and they'll have another one that uh, I'm very excited about that we'll talk about uh, in the fourth quarter. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't think it, there's been enough emphasis given to that turnover on the opening drive and, and how it, it killed the momentum. Because the 49ers, like I said, came out and stuffed us on that opening drive and then were, were just blowing the Bears off the ball and, and sh- just shoving it right down uh, our throats. It was looking like it was going to be one of those dominant, like they're going to they're gonna dink and you know run this and ro- run us over and all that kind of stuff and just dictate the pace of this entire football game. And Jalen Johnson, Jaquan Brisker put a quick stop uh, to that. And it's like the 49ers were kind of shook from that point on like they were just so confident and everything was going well and everything was was uh, going their way and then that one moment it, it got flipped and the the vibe of the game didn't change completely until much later on but that was the first kink in the armor uh for the 49ers and, and you really did kind of get a feeling if you go back and look at it there was something different about the 49ers after that moment uh took place after it was uh after that moment was robbed of them. But um, we go into the second quarter. The 49ers draw blood first. But, again, despite everything that was going against the Bears, their lack of movement uh, on offense, even some bad luck at the end of the half when they were trying to attempt the field goal. You hear me talk about it here in the knee-jerk reaction. I'll talk about it a little bit more uh, after. Despite all of it, despite everything that was going for the 49ers and despite everything that was going against the Bears, it's seven nothing. We're still in this thing. It is far from over. Knee jerk reaction. Bears Niners second quarter, and uh, the Niners took their opening drive of the second quarter. I think the one they started or ended the first quarter with down the field, put it in the end zone to to get a seven to nothing lead, and then we were back to the you know the 49ers are getting better, getting the better of the exchanges. But somehow the Bears are keeping themselves in this football game. It's still only 7 nothing here at the halftime. An obscure uh, rule that um, nobody apparently knew except for the referees uh, prevented the Bears from at least putting three points on the board and what was our best offensive drive there at the end. It was one where Justin Fields kind of took over and started, to, started running the ball. Uh, himself and getting some decent yardage. We finally got into 49er territory. But on the field goal attempt, uh, our rookie punter, Trenton Gill, uh, had a towel out on the field, and they were kind of like dampening the towel on the turf because the the field is basically completely washed out. It's been raining constantly uh, since the the early hours of this morning here in the Chicagoland uh, area, and they were trying to dry up the field a little bit and apparently, that's illegal because we got flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct, and it was a 15-yard penalty that made what should have been like a a, a high 40-yard-ish field goal into like you know 60-something. We ended up having to punt the ball away, and uh, that was the best opportunity the Bears have had to score so far in the first half. Um, it's been a combination of. The 49ers just being awesome, essentially. And, uh, you know, the, the, the whole first, first game of the season, first game of the new regime uh, kind of thing. This offense is still trying to figure itself out. Um, 
We're getting beat up up front on both sides of the ball, offensively uh, and defensively. But the bright spot is what we were hoping for as a fan base was that we're still in this thing. You know, the only thing that I don't like is that the 49ers start with the football uh, in the second half to kind of try to maybe, you know, put a two-score lead between us because with the way things are going right now, a 14-point lead uh, might as well be like 140 to nothing at this point because it's just like we're, uh, unless something drastically changes and we make some awesome halftime adjustments, we're probably not going to get much more than 10 points or so out of this offense uh, in the second half. So, Really need to uh, get something going uh, here, kind of build off the momentum we had on that very last offensive drive, see if we can't turn it into points in the second half. And defense is, is doing the bend but don't break thing, and hopefully they just keep bending and not breaking because the offense needs all the help it can get. And speaking on that, maybe the, uh, maybe the, off, the defense can get us a, a, a scoop and score or something like that to uh, – get some points on the board because uh we're, we we need some help here but um you know i'd be more concerned if it a wasn't the 49ers if it b wasn't the first game of the year and b first game of a brand new uh regime i'd be i think i'd be more frustrated if it wasn't all of that uh combined if we're still having these struggles a couple of weeks from now when we're playing the texans and the giants and such then yeah then I'll be upset with the lack of progress we're seeing here. I think it's still too early on, and the teams that we saddle with the first two games are supposed to have a couple of the best defenses in the NFL. So take that for what you will. We still got a whole second half to see if we can turn things around. Let's see how it goes. So that was a mouthful, you know, but uh, I think, you know, kind of wanting to focus on what I was talking about there at the end was – I, I would have been more frustrated if we were playing a lesser team. But we're playing the 49ers. They have one of the better defenses in the NFL on paper and on the field. We saw them today. They were outstanding uh, for the most part. Uh, you know, Nick Bosa was doing his thing. Uh, Kinlaw was getting in there. You know, Fred Warner, uh, you know, and the, it was if the Bears lose this game, then this is always going to be the Hufanga game. Number 29, their safety, who was absolutely everywhere all the time uh, in this football game. He was the one that picked off uh, fields uh, on the interception in the first quarter, and he was just, it seemed like every time there was a play being made, number 29 uh, was making it. The, the, this defense is for real. and um, But it just, and, and you know, again, first game of this brand-new uh, offense, first game of the new regime, all these players finally playing together because Byron Pringle didn't play in the, uh, in the preseason, didn't see much of uh, uh, Equinemia St. Brown, uh, very little of David Montgomery, only in the Cleveland game, and so on. And, of course, the offensive line. I haven't even talked about that yet. And the fact that they kept shuffling uh, or rotating, I guess would be the better word, Kev, uh, Tevin Jenkins and uh, Lucas Patrick in and out of the game. I mean, I thought it was, okay, uh, Patrick, or excuse me, Jenkins must have sucked in those first couple of drives because here's Lucas Patrick. But then a couple drives later, oh, there's Tevin Jenkins. What's going on here? It just went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I didn't get a chance to listen to any of the press conferences to see if that was brought up to, uh, to Eberflus. Like, yo, dude, what was the deal with the rotation 
at right guard. I mean, we, are we retreating this like a preseason game for Patrick, just trying to get him some reps, or do we have an issue with what Jenkins was doing out there? And if we did, why would you keep putting him back in? So I, I think they were just literally rotating like every two series, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in and out of that offensive line. But it's like we're still trying to figure things out there. We're still trying to get our feet, uh, uh, you know, on the on the offensive side and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And we were also in the middle of a monsoon in, in Chicago in, in the first uh, first week in September. So it just uh, was a lot of things that, that would have, um, if it was a bright and sunny day and we're like year two or three of the offense and we come in and we're looking like this, probably going to have to put the explicit tag on the episode because I'm letting, I'm letting the world hear it about how pissed I am about how this team looks and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So it was easy not to get frustrated when you think about all of those things. When you're looking at the bigger picture. Yes, it was frustrating to watch, and it was hard to watch in the first half. Watching them struggle like that, how how it looked very Nagy-esque as far as our struggles uh, and whatnot. But then the second half comes, and things change. But before I get to that, uh, I did want to address the uh, that field goal thing. Because it was one of those things that it was just like another bad luck situation, another thing not going the Bears' way. The the rookie brings a towel out to to see if he can kind of dry up the spot where they're going to try to kick the field goal. Because like literally before this happened, they showed a uh, like a replay of what the conditions were like for Cairo Santos trying to kick pregame, and it's like you see his foot, his his plant foot. Big splash, you know, and maybe even slid uh, a little bit. And, you know, when he kicks the ball, he kicks up like another six inches uh, of water as well. So they were just trying to dry up that spot to make it, you know, more amenable to, uh, to you know, to be able to kick it uh, in. And we never even got it off. So it's not like that, you know, they snap the ball, Cairo puts it through, and then they throw the penalty like, oh, yeah, that play's no good because of this. It was a dead ball foul, and that, that field goal attempt never happened. And like I said, it was fourth and six. It would have been a long 40-yard, uh, 40-ish yard field goal. Instead, it put us to the point where we had to punt the football uh, away. And it's just like in the past, those would have been things that we never recovered from under Nagy, under Fox, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It just it would have been a killer. But we go into the second half, uh, we go into halftime, and then we come out uh, in the second half. And the tides start to change. And uh, it, 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 even in, even when I thought that the Bears were about to make another mistake, luck finally turned, as did the game. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction, third quarter, Bears, Niners. Somehow, we are still in this damn thing, and we've actually put points on the board. The 49ers were able to take the opening drive down the field and in like a third and long situation, Complete like a 40-something yard pass to get them into Bear territory. Set up the field goal because as they've done all day, the defense is bending but not breaking. They force a field goal attempt from Robbie Gold uh, to make it 10-0. And then when the Bears get the ball back, it's, it's starting to become the 49ers becoming their own worst enemy now. Because the Bears had the ball third and four. We tried to run to the outside with David Montgomery and get stuffed, but... One of the linebackers coming in to finish off the tackle grabs Montgomery by the face mask. 15 yards, automatic first down. A few plays later, Justin Fields completes his first pass to a wide receiver 
and it, it's, it's, it was fourth and one from last year all over again. He's literally running all over the place. He's eluding tacklers or eluding rushers and everything. Just pops up, finds Dante Pettis literally across the field on the other side, wide open for a 51-yard touchdown pass. And just like that, it's 10-7. And, you know, the Bears were able to get the ball back from the 49ers after sending them three and out on their last drive. And uh, we were we were third and nine. Justin Field only got about six or seven on the rush, but defensive holding on the 49ers. So when we start the fourth quarter, it'll be first and ten for the Bears near, if not in, 49er territory, only down 10-7. I mean, anybody who's watched this game, the 49ers should be winning 24 or something like that to to seven right now as far as like how they've dominated up front in the trenches and everything like that. They've been able to convert on third down when they've really needed to, but they haven't been able to finish off the drives and, you know, they're winning a three-point game in a game that they've been dominating for the most part. This is going to be a really bad loss for the 49ers if they can't pull this off. So the Bears are still in this thing despite basically losing it across the board. Remember I said in the first quarter, if this was a an MMA fight and we're going to the cards, the Bears have lost all three rounds as far as I'm concerned. But we're only down three, so see if we can deliver the knockout blow in the fourth quarter. So I was hanging pretty hard on that MMA thing. You know, the, I didn't really enjoy the fights last night. They really weren't all that they were cracked up to be. And especially like if it's a Vegas event, it's supposed to be a big deal and it really wasn't. But anyway, the but the analogy took, you know, it's just you're sitting here and you're watching this game. You're watching the, the 49ers dictate uh, more times than not throughout, especially like that opening drive of the second half. It was a, it was a third and long situation. They find, uh, you know, Trey Lance finds that Jennings uh, wide open down the sideline for a huge game. They needed like six or seven and they ended up getting like 44 uh, to get back to get into Bears territory and you know extend the drive and, and all that kind of stuff and it was just like oh boy here we go this is what I was worried about this is what I was talking about in the knee jerk reaction that I wasn't a fan of the fact the 49ers start with the football they could easily put you know a drive together to you know just they make their adjustments they come out because that's what have happened in the past with Nagy was that uh, no we wouldn't make any. Sp- uh, you know, halftime adjustments. The other team would, and that would be the difference in them winning uh, the football game. And sure enough, they come out there. They made some really great plays. They got it deep into Bears territory. But in the end, the defense held firm once again, bending but not breaking, forcing the field goal. So it's only ten nothing. And then that whacked out play that, like I said, was kind of like the replay uh, of fourth and one against the 49ers last year all over again. Uh, Justin loses this guy, runs away from that one, literally, you know, crosses back over to the other side of the field and is throwing from standing at his 40 near the 49er sideline. He throws it all the way across the field to the 30 on the Bears sideline where Dante Pettis is standing by himself without anybody around for a good 10 or 15 yard radius. And nobody touches Dante Pettis until he crosses the goal line. I mean, that's how wide open he was. That's how busted of a play it ended up being with this schoolyard uh, play that Justin Fields happened to uh, uh, to pull off. I mean, it was a, it was an awesome thing to watch. I mean, here I am. I'm sitting in in the chair in that living room watching the game, and I'm and I'm sitting here like Justin, get rid of the ball, throw it the ball, get rid of the football, man. And then I see him throw it, and I see that it's going across the field, and I'm like, oh god, this is going to be a disaster because I know that. 
you know, it, somebody, their Hufanga is going to come from out of nowhere and pick it off and run it back. And because everybody's on the other side of the field, he's got that whole sideline to himself to to run it back for a for a pick six. This is what I'm picturing in my head. And instead, there's Dante Pettis standing all by himself. He catches the football. He has to sit and wait for the ball. <laughs> he sits, he waits, he catches it, and is able to run into the end zone untouched for a touchdown that that turned this into an improbable three-point game like how are we here is essentially what I was saying in that knee-jerk reaction is like after everything that we've sit and sat and watched happen in the first three quarters of this game going into the fourth quarter the last thing that I would say to you was we're still in this thing we still have a chance we're down a field goal and we had the football starting in the fourth quarter and what became the theme of the second half was was number one the the offense became a lot more efficient in the fir, in the second half, and the 49ers became their own worst enemy. It was interesting watching it happen to somebody else. It was interesting happening ha- having to watch it happen to somebody playing against the Bears instead of it being the Bears. Because you guys heard me in the preview, I was like you know to 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 be disciplined like we were. In the preseason, we only had like a handful of penalties across the three uh, games. We were light on on the mistakes and the turnovers. We were very well disciplined in those games. Let's have this carry over because it's going to be difficult enough playing the 49ers or beating the 49ers on our own. Beating them straight up is going to be a tall order on Sunday. It's going to be even harder if we're beating ourselves along with the 49ers beating us on top of it. And in the end, it was the Bears taking over in the second half, being persistent, being resilient, sticking with it, and the 49ers becoming their own worst enemy. You heard me talk about it. The The Bears got stuffed on the third and four run uh, to Montgomery, but face mask penalty. So now... A fresh set of downs plus an extra 15 yards. Same thing later on. Justin Fields scrambles on third and nine, only gets about six or seven. But there was a holding penalty on one of the receivers in the secondary. Automatic first down. It just kept extending the drives, and it was a theme that carried into the fourth quarter uh, as well. And, you know, in the end of it, in the end, it just became too much for the 49ers to overcome. The Bears then imposed their will in the fourth quarter. Like I said, it was the Bears 49ers from last year all over again. The 49ers let the Bears hang around long enough to before the Bears just finally figured it out and took over the football game themselves, and that's what happened to us last year. We let the 49ers hang around and hang around and hang around, and before you know it, they make the play that flips this thing on its head, and it's all over for us. That play happened also for us in the fourth quarter, when we scored a touchdown to take the lead. We'll go ahead and talk about it. And then my favorite turnover of the year so far. I mean, we've only gotten two, but I definitely have a favorite already. We'll talk about it here uh, on this knee-jerk reaction. (laughs) Knee-jerk reaction, fourth quarter, Bears, Niners, and holy hell. Remember what I was saying? The 49ers have won, uh, you know, each of the three rounds. They're ahead on the cards But it was the Bears that delivered the knockout blow in the fourth quarter. Two touchdowns uh, from the Bears. One to Equinemia St. Brown. And then hell freezes over. Eddie Jackson made an interception and uh, gets the ball back in deep into 49er territory. A few plays later, Khalil Herbert runs it in to make it 19-10. Because really the only negative thing 
in the fourth quarter was that uh, probably put it more on the conditions than anything else. Cairo Santos missed those two extra points, uh, so it should be 21 to 10. But instead, the Bears are kneeling on it right now to end the ball game to make it 19 to 10. They come away with the first victory of the Matt Eberflus era. Everybody's doing the belly slides in the end zone right now to celebrate the win. Matt Eberflus, 1-0 as head coach. The Bears just exemplifying everything that that, that uh, Eberflus talked about, hanging in there, being persistent, never giving up the whole nine yards, man. I mean, it was just a, you know, just a, a fantastic thing to see here in the fourth quarter because we just we weren't playing well enough, and we end up uh, – pulling it out in the fourth quarter and coming away with uh, an upset victory. So I was happy to get this one wrong. Everybody knows I picked the 49ers, but we win. We get ready for Green Bay next Sunday night. It was so awesome that that I was recording the knee-jerk reaction because you could hear it in my voice watching the team uh, do the celebratory uh, slip-and-slide deal. Uh, in the end zone. It, not only was it Justin Fields, it was Braxton Jones, it was Cody Whitehair, Cole Komet, everybody was in there doing their own little slide going through the end zone. It was such an awesome moment. And it's 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 one of those moments you're not going to forget anytime soon. It, it's 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 not a significant it's a significant win in an insignificant game. It's just game one, you know, the first game of the season, the first game of of a brand new uh, regime at head coach and, and and such so in the end it's the first of many but this is one that you're going to remember the way that they stuck around the way that they fought nobody gave them a chance including me I didn't think they would win this game I really didn't um, I mean I, I was hoping that it would be, I I got the game that I was hoping for and the result I wasn't expecting at the same time I wanted to see the Bears fight and scratch and claw and if we have to lose that's how I wanted to see us go down Uh, again like I said a thousand times during the offseason as silly as it may sound I want to feel good about the losses this year and if we'd have lost this football game I think I would have been happy with how we fought and how we made the 49ers earn it as opposed to just sitting back and taking it, which we watched the Bears do so many times these last few years. But in the end, we got the ultimate result, which was coming away with the victory, beating the 49ers, getting this 2022 season off on the right foot. And uh, I don't know if we're, if it's going to be overconfidence or, or whatever, but uh, I got to tell you, after watching the, the Packers play in Minnesota today, number one, Week five is going to be interesting, Bears-Packers, or excuse me, Bears-Vikings. But, uh, you know, I'm not as scared of Green Bay because I didn't see a whole lot uh, from them today. But, again, that's where the week one thing comes in because the Packers, you know, got their asses handed to them by the Saints 38-3 to uh, last year and then went on to win 13 games again last season. So take week one for what you will. Take their slow start uh, for what you will. So, but uh, I'm uh, feeling good about our guys going into this game against uh, Green Bay uh, next Sunday. And I, I already want it to be here so I can see how, because that's the real test, you know? That's going to be the real test how we handle the Packers. You know, are we going to have like another Sunday night game from last year where it looks like we've got the upper hand, but you can't really see. Yeah, it didn't. We were like, oh, we're up twenty-four to ten, but it didn't really feel that way, you know. It's just like, 
ah, ah, man. And then, sure enough, reality sets in. The the Packers do what they do, and they come away with the the win uh, and everything. But this one feels good. This one was an enjoyable. Watching the Bears take over, watching us do it to somebody instead of it having been done to us. Like you know, like I said, this is a complete role reversal from last year's. Uh, 49er game we let them hang around you know and you could hear me talking about it in those knee-jerk reactions too saying it's just like (laughs) one big play turns this whole thing on its head and sure enough it did the Debo Samuel thing and the 49ers were off to the races uh, after that this time the 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 play that turned that whole thing on its head was the Equinemia St. Brown touchdown that gave us the lead that put us up uh, 13 to 10 and then on the ensuing drive Eddie Jackson and it not only did any Eddie Jackson have an interception, it wasn't like a a tip drill thing where it happened to fall in his head. No, 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 no. Eddie Jackson made an Eddie Jackson play where he saw it, he read it, he made a break on the ball, and he made the play. That's what made it so special. That's what made it feel like, oh, this is this is awesome. This is awesome because you just felt like it was the tide had completely turned at that point. The crowd was all the way into the game uh, at that point. And, you know, Eddie comes out and makes that play that we've been waiting to see since 2019 uh, and everything. It's it's an amazing, it was an amazing moment, you know. And then a few plays later, we run the football with Khalil Herbert for the touchdown uh, and essentially put it out of reach uh, for the 49ers because the defense wasn't going to have it. It was going to take something of a miracle for the 49ers to pull it off. Same thing like it would have been for us to pull off that miracle last year. Uh, against the uh, the Niners, so uh, it was amazing, amazing to watch it all go down. It was so great um, it, to to have that feeling where it's just like, hey, we're not out of this thing yet. It's not over yet. I mean, with it's not looking good. Like the film is not pretty, but we're still in this thing. And then in the fourth quarter, happened. We won the second half, nineteen to three, because we we lost the first half seven to nothing. We won the second half, nineteen to three, to take the win. And uh, be a long plane ride for the Niners getting back home, uh, knowing that they got to watch the film uh, for this football game. So, amazing job, amazing! So happy for our uh, for our guys, and uh, so happy for us as a fan base for all the shit we've had to eat listening to, to in, just all off season and going into this football game. Nobody gave us a chance, you know. I I just thought it was logic, you know. The Forty ers are a great football team, uh, or they're supposed to be, anyway. Uh, and it was also something that I tweeted out. It's like I don't think this game. I don't think this game means the Bears are going to be great. I don't think it means the 49ers suck. I just think it means we fought our asses off and won game one. You know, one game does not a season make. But I'm enjoying the hell out of this. You know, all six days of this week before we get to next Sunday uh, against the Packers, I'm enjoying the hell out of this game. I'm enjoying it because this is the effort we've wanted to see from our guys for so long and we finally got it in game one. Oh man it sets an ugly precedent you know what i'm saying but uh, i'm here for it i am all the way here for it so oh beautiful beautiful result our chicago bears beat the 49ers 19 to 10 they go to 1 and 0 on this young 2022 season we get ready for the packers next sunday night in lambo because it's the law as far as the nfl uh, is concerned and uh i'm looking forward to this game I am. We're going to have Evan Western on the show later on this week to uh, preview uh, the game, talk about what went wrong for them uh, in Minnesota. You know, did they really miss Devontae Adams, or was it just the Minnesota defense uh, getting after him 
uh, and everything. So, I mean, also, how much weight are they giving this loss? You know, because think about last year, 38-3, to just got handed to him by the by the by the Saints and everything and you know the Packers were the Packers after that but this one was a little bit different you know it was it was a division game uh and and everything that there were no you know sweltering Jacksonville it, it, it number one it was played in the stadium it was meant to play in because last year they were supposed to be in the Metrodome excuse me the Superdome in New Orleans but hurricane something or other you know moved the game to Jacksonville and it was 197 degrees outside. And, uh, you know, those boys from New Orleans are used to that kind of heat. The Packers, not so much. And uh, all of that uh, kind of factor into the to the loss. We'll see, you know, just how much, like, our Packer fans worried. I know they're not scared of us. They've gotten, as far as we're, they're concerned, they got nothing to worry about on Sunday because it's the Bears. But, you know, are they worried about their team after what they saw them put on the field against the Vikings uh, on Sunday. So we'll get to the bottom of that and so much more with Evan later on this week. And um, there you have it. That is the review with knee-jerk reactions. And now, like always, we move on to everybody's favorite segment, guys. It's Bear Up, Bear Down. Bear up and bear down for our week one victory over the San Francisco 49ers. And I'm sure as you can guess, lots of bear ups this week. Not many bear downs and uh, an interesting, most valuable uh, bear. So let's just go ahead and kick it off. Bear up. Dominique Robinson, rookie fifth round pick, comes in. I, I, I kind of remember talking to, to Lauren Cox during the summer about uh, Dominique Robinson and how he how could he be this year's Mark Anderson? Because remember back in 2006, Mark Anderson also drafted in the fifth round, also a defensive end, also a long, lanky kind of defensive end, led the team in sacks. A Super Bowl team went with 12 sacks uh, that year. And this is a guy that's sharing the field with uh, Agunlier and Alex Brown, Tommy Harris, and, uh, and whatnot as far as like going up against guys for sacks and everything. This kid was the one leading the team. In sacks with 12. He was just a sack machine that first year. Um, I say he had two, but the official stat is he had one and a half because he got one on on Trey Lance by himself, showing some great hand strength by getting a handful of jersey, not letting go until Trey Lance was on the ground. Uh, And then the second one, he was the first one to Trey Lance, and then they gave half a sack to uh, Roquan Smith to help him finish it off. But he also had, I think, five or six uh, tackles, uh, in the football game as well. So one hell of a debut uh, from the rookie fifth rounder. Uh, and uh, so we get a bear up for him. Uh, he's one for one so far. Uh, bear up, Dante Pettis, uh, for making himself uh, available, for you know throwing his hands up so Justin Fields could see him, making the catch and running it in. It was a it was a tide changer, you know the 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 pulse of the game didn't quite change, but it just all of a sudden became possible that something like something that of what happened could happen, uh, and Dante Pettis making that play, fifty uh, one yard touchdown to uh, get us within a field goal, uh, putting our first points on the board and all that kind of stuff. It was a big moment, so big ups to uh, Pettis for uh, making that play. Bear up to Armand Watts. 
our brand new defensive tackle that we claimed off of waivers from the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Um, I don't. He, I think it was more of a second half thing. I don't remember seeing him much in the uh, first half uh, because I just remember in the second half it was a who the hell is number ninety six because that's Akeem Hicks's number. Who do we give that number to? I didn't quite remember. And he has the dreads, so it was covering up his uh, nameplate. So it wasn't until like he made a tackle, and then the announcer was like, oh, number 96, Armand Watts. Ah, that's who that is, Armand Watts, of course. He's also a beast of a human being, 6'5", like 3-something. Three, three I mean, he's 3-plus he's for sure. He is a mammoth human being, and he was dominant in the second half. Uh, a lot of pressure, and I think that... A performance like that, I would not be surprised to see him starting over Blackson or uh, I don't know about Justin Jones, but uh, it, you know maybe starting over Blackson uh, instead of uh, you know or starting over Blackson to uh, to be in the front four next Sunday against the Packers. He was he was something to watch uh, in the second half there. Uh, bear up, Eddie Jackson. God damn, welcome back, Eddie man. That's what Eddie Jackson's supposed to do. And I'm hoping that this is what the defense does for you so you can have those moments and be the weapon that you were the first two years uh, in the league. You know, because ever since Vic Fangio left town, uh, you know, this uh, this bear didn't have his claws, if you know what I mean. And, um, you know, uh, it, like it wasn't one of those, like I said, it wasn't one of those interceptions where, oh, it was tipped in the air and there was Eddie Jackson uh, and everything. Like, no, 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 no. Eddie Jackson made an Eddie Jackson play. He saw the ball, he dove, he cut in, he was he got up and he ran, uh, you know, got to the 25-yard line. It was an amazing moment. I'm sure it was very cathartic for him, uh, very, uh, you know, probably feel the weight being lifted off his shoulders. He finally did it because not only did he only have two picks in 2019, one of which was a Hail Mary uh, interception, but he had nothing in 2020, nothing in 2021, and he became a story in those two seasons because, A, he's not making plays like he used to, and, B, the plays that he has an opportunity to make, he's not making, a.k.a. his tackling. So uh, to see him come out and have a moment like that was very, very nice to see. Felt great to see, and I was very happy, uh, very happy for him. This is a big year for Eddie, for sure. Uh, Bear up Justin Fields. Uh, his stats weren't impressive, that's for sure. Only about 120 yards passing uh, in the uh, football game, but he had two touchdowns. He recovered well from the interception that he threw early on. He got better as the game went along, and he was 5 for 7 for 102 yards and two touchdowns in the second half. Won us the football game. You know, he was, uh, he's going to be special, man. I, I, you know, I, I've had that feeling about him ever since we drafted him, and he's, he's just been fantastic. So far, I am over the moon that he is our quarterback. Uh, bear up Equinemia St. Brown, making the touchdown that put us ahead or making the catch. Uh, the awesome throw from uh, from Fields. And while we're talking about it, I've seen a few clips online uh, tonight uh, as I was uh, you know, doing some uh, research and stuff for the, for the stats and whatnot. Uh, bear up to Byron Pringle. He essentially made that play happen. Because he, he was on the outside, he motioned inside on the slot, and he pointed as if he was going to block down uh, on somebody. And it was a ruse, because he comes in, yes, he puts his hands on the defender, but he breaks free of him, and it helped sell the run 
to the 49ers because we essentially did what Matt Nagy wanted to do so many times when he was the head coach. And I, I, I promise I will stop bagging on Nagy eventually. But it was one of those moments where Nagy, won, all, you know, all the time we talked about Nagy always wanted to be the smartest guy in the room. You know, he wanted to catch the defense with his pants down as opposed to just doing his best to beat the opponent one way uh, or another. Well, Lou Getze caught the 49ers with their pants down. Uh, they they followed the the action as the, the run fake went to the right side. It left not only Byron Pringle wide open on a crossing route, he would have been wide open on the other end of the field, but it also left Equinemia St. Brown open right down the middle of the field. Justin Field puts a beautiful throw in his hands. And, uh, you know, those three players were key. Justin Fields, Equinemia, St. Brown, Byron Pringle, all good bear-ups. Uh, just hell for that play alone because it gave us the lead and, and really set the tone for the rest of the quarter. But uh, an outstanding job uh, there on that play. Uh, bear-up, Jalen Johnson, Jaquan Brisker. You guys can share this one. For that turnover that I talked about, I don't think it's being emphasized enough how important of a play that was to shut down that opening drive, to kill that opening drive where the 49ers were just, you know, like I think if they score, there's no turning back after that. They shut us down three and out. They come in and just pound the football right down our throats, put the you know opening touchdown on the board, and they're off to the races after that. I really do think it's a much uglier football game, and the vibe of the game is set if the Bears don't make that play, if if – uh, Jalen doesn't punch it out, and Brisker doesn't recover. I think we're looking at a very, very different football game. So bear up to those guys. That was an an insanely important play. Even though it happened in the first like five minutes of the football game, I think it was huge as far as how it killed the tone the 49ers were trying to set uh, in the ball game. Down to our last couple of uh, bear ups. Bear ups to Luke Getze. You know, like I said, he did what what he did in one game when Matt Nagy tried to do for four years, try to catch the defense with their pants down. Uh, that huge play on on the play action for the touchdown that put us ahead, and uh, you know they made the adjustments at halftime, and and this was something that I also saw saw from all the uh, from the tape warriors that you see on 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 Twitter and everything, but. Um, they were in shotgun a lot in the first half. Braxton Jones was struggling uh, with that. But when they switched to more of a play-action heavy, under-center uh, situation on offense in the second half, things got better for Braxton Jones because they had to play the run first as opposed to just pinning their ears back and coming for us uh, or coming for fields uh, on the pass rush and, and whatnot. They, uh, that really changed things. And then, of course, like I said, the, the, the coup de gras, the... Uh, the touchdown that put us ahead. So bear up to Luke Getze on a successful uh, first game and doing in one game that what Magnaggy failed to do for four years uh, in Chicago. And then finally, our last bear up to our GM, Ryan Poles. Draft picks put on a show today, man. Kyla Gordon looked good. Jaquan Brisker with the recovery. Uh, Dominique Robinson was out there doing things, you know, led the team with, I'm saying two sacks. It goes down as one and a half, but, you know, you also had uh, Braxton Jones in there as our starting left tackle. Not to mention the guys that, uh, you know, Lucas Patrick came in and did well uh, on the offensive line uh, as well. Uh, Muhammad uh, from the Colts, number 55, was awesome coming off the edge uh, and everything. So a lot of the guys that he brought in 
may not have been the sexiest names on paper, uh, you know, and contributed to a roster that no one has any respect for whatsoever. But all of those guys that he brought in played a part uh, in today's uh, victory, and where he was. You know, where it's been given the impression to the entire world that Ryan Poles is basically just gutting this roster to prepare for next season when he's got all of his draft picks and a plethora of draft, or excuse me, of uh, cap space. You know, he actually put us in a good spot to maybe, you know, turn some heads uh, this year. So uh, bear up to, uh, to them. And then finally, the bear downs, they're minor. But, uh, you know, Cairo Santos uh, gets a bear down for the extra points. Uh, you know, this is more, I, I, you know, I, this is more of an honorary thing. I don't really have any legit bear downs, in my opinion, um, now that I think about it. They're more of an honorary bear down to Santos. Those two extra points at the end, they didn't affect the outcome, thank God. And if you go back and you watch them, there was something really off with Cairo's um, mechanics with those kicks. Like I think he was like overemphasizing how heavy he was putting that plant foot down so as it wouldn't come out from underneath him when he was trying to make the kick because there was something very stiff about the way he was kicking it. Like he was just like it was all hips and no leg kind of thing. Go back especially that first one where the where the ball did that weird like hook and, and it went wide right on the first extra point. Go back and look at it. Look at how he kicks the ball. There was something like that did look not na- it did not look natural or like Cairo Santos at all. Like he looked stiff, like he was just trying to not slip and fall. Like that was far more important than getting the ball off uh, in his in my opinion. So so honorary bear down for that. And then I wasn't a big fan of the rotation for Tevin Jenkins and, and Lucas Patrick. So it's an honorary bear down. I, I'm going to go with Chris Morgan because he's the offensive. Uh, line coach, so I'm, I'm I'm sure it wasn't his idea, but nonetheless, that's his unit, and you know, going in and out uh, like that, I wasn't a big fan. Uh, I didn't see how it affected it one one way or the other, and it, like I said, like I said earlier, it kind of felt like we were treating this like a preseason game for Lucas Patrick because he was he missed almost all of training camp and in the entire preseason with that thumb injury, so he's got to get him in game shape. I'm like, well. It sounds like a Lucas Patrick problem right now, man. It's like it's if he's not healthy enough to be the center, then don't put him out there, or just put him out there. You know, don't do this rotation thing. I wasn't a fan, but uh, it didn't affect the football game one way or the other that that I could see uh, anyway. So not really a big deal. Like I just wasn't a fan of the move and them shuffling uh, in and out, especially for somebody like Tevin Jenkins who seems to be a little fragile mentally to have to keep coming in and out of the lineup and whatever momentum he had on that last drive, he doesn't get to carry through because he's got to let so-and-so get his reps now. It just wasn't a fan uh, of that. But uh, finally, as we close the book on this for our beloved Chicago Bears, our most valuable bear this week, Matt Eberflus, because what he has instilled in this team, the the hits philosophy, uh, you know, the, the, the hustle, the intensity, the takeaways, the situation of football, staying in close games uh, and everything. It was all there on the field today. Uh, they, they, the, the bend but don't break. They, they kept that intensity on defense. They were physical with the 49ers uh, in this game. You know, Roquan put a really nice pop on Trey Lance. We were taking these guys out. 
uh, and everything. Like I said, we more times than not, we were losing the exchanges uh, up front, but they're more talented than we are up front. But it didn't matter. We kept coming back at them anyway. We didn't let that mentally get us out of the game. We kept coming after them anyway. And in the end, it was enough to get the win and enough to come away with the upset and also enough to wet the beak of us Bear fans to what we can expect from this team. And we're going to see them fight this year. We're going to see them fight. I don't think quit or giving up is not going to be anything that we ever use to describe how a Chicago Bear football team plays this year. So I'm super pumped uh, about that. So anyway, guys, that is going to do it for the week one review episode of the Bears Talk Underround. Come back tomorrow on Tuesday when we will wrap it all up. We'll recap all of the 16 Ball games that took place this weekend. See how I did with my win loss record. I think I do. I think I'm doing okay. I think I'm doing right. I know I lost. Uh, you know, had a couple of upsets go against me in the uh, in the early games. I think I went undefeated in the second half and uh, then the late games. No, 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 no. I picked Tennessee and the Giants won. Tennessee should have won. That guy hooked the field goal at the end of the game. But nonetheless, we'll come back talk about it all. See what kind of NFL expert I am and put a button. Uh, or bow, I should say, on week one before we get ready to move on to week two and the Packers and everything else to follow. So come back tomorrow for the week one NFL recap. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk on the... Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.